You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hello, everybody. It's me at the front. I'm just going to be reading from um, the book of Philippians, which you can all find within your own Bible if you want, but the words will be behind me as well. Uh, Yes, and I will, will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is far more necessary that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Jesus Christ will abound on account of me. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Thank you, Dan. Um, Before I kind of jump into the text, um, I missed the notice. We are doing a baptism service it's going to be absolutely incredible, and um, this is coming up on the 30th of October, so the end of the month. Now, baptisms are an opportunity for people that say, yeah, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian, I've trusted him with my life and my future, um, received forgiveness from the past. It's an opportunity to declare in an outward way what God has done on the inside, and we're so excited. We're going to be hopefully dunking a whole number of people here at church at the 6 p.m. service, and so if you've never been baptized, maybe you are brand new to faith, you've never Never um, just made the kind of public declaration that you follow Jesus, uh, then we would love to baptize you. If you've been following Jesus for all of your life and you've just never got around to it, now is the time. We want to encourage you. Get involved, get baptized, and if you're interested, come and speak to me after the service. Already had people speak to me this morning. I'm so, so excited. Um, It's just one of those party moments, life-changing, and if you've not been baptized, now is your time. So um, let me ask you guys a question. What is life all about? Like, why are you here on earth, but also in this room tonight? Why do you do the things that you do? Are you on autopilot, just allowing life to hit you and, and direct you and move you wherever it takes you, or is there purpose, a driver behind the choices that you make? And if so, honestly, what is driving you right now? What are you living for? 
If you were to go on the streets um, tonight or today and ask people that question, you would get a myriad of answers for what drives people. Some would say that life is meaningless and pointless. We are a random sack of cells um, walking around. We have a, a consciousness which is an illusion. Everything is pointless and meaningless. And so I do really what I want to do. There is no ultimate consequences. I do whatever I feel like doing in the moment. Others would say to live is all about family and relationships and kids and everything in life is directed towards those things. Some live to build a name for themselves, an empire, a successful career maybe with them at the center and they just collect things and hoard things and consume things. Others would say that to live is really about how other people feel about you. So popularity becomes the idol, and in our social media-obsessed world, we can become transfixed with getting likes and follows and retweets, possibly at the cost of our souls. How would you end the sentence, to live is dot, dot, dot? What is the purpose of your life? Now, in the cultural moment we find ourselves in, uh, we are torn in, we are pulled and stretched in countless different directions. There are millions of voices uh, in our world telling us that meaning and purpose and hope for our lives is found in these different things. A career, a relationship, family, kids, parents, a hobby, wealth, status, popularity, intellect, a comfortable life, followers on TikToks, approval from your mates, social action, sports teams, politics, physical fitness, and attractiveness, which is my main one. What? <laughs> Millions of things which promise to fulfill you, but ultimately leave you feeling empty. Come to me, these things say, and I will give you life. And yet I want to submit tonight that none of these things can ultimately provide real meaning, and truth and life. To live is dot, dot, dot. Now, how would you finish this sentence? To die is dot, dot, dot. We live in a culture today which idolizes success in this life and fears death. Death was really brought to the center stage of our thinking recently, hasn't it, with the death of the queen, a jarring moment for all of us as we kind of came face to face again with the reality that life on this planet Earth does not go on forever. She was such a staple, a stable, a constant. And yet in the Queen's passing, it's been a collective reminder that one day we will all die. And we don't like to talk about this. And if it's your first week at church, I apologize. Let's talk about death. But one day we will pass from this world to the next, and the veil will be lifted, and we will meet our creator. How would you finish that sentence? To die is terrifying, anxiety-inducing, unthinkable, or better. Now, in our text today, Paul ended both of those sentences, to live is and to die is, and it's probably one of the most famous verses in Philippians for sure, but even the New Testament, he says this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
In these verses, in these words, he framed for us a perspective for not just how we should think about living in the here and now, but also how we should consider dying. And today I want to unpack both of these, starting with to live is Christ. Now put your hands up here tonight if you like interior design. Anyone good at interior design? Anyone good at kind of visual things, creative things, brilliant. I am in the process, coming to the end, thankfully, of a house renovation. We've knocked some walls down. We've had a new floor putting in. It's been a major undertaking. We've had no kitchen for probably coming up to three months. And um, we've been living, our kitchen has been a temporary kitchen on our landing. And uh, just last week, we found our first mouse. And I'm, I won't go into um, my long and potted history with mice, but I'm just saying I'm not a big fan. I just think that if you have pet mice, you need help. Has anyone got pet mice? Praise the Lord. <laughs> so um, I need to do something about this mice. We've seen it once, and then it's gone, and I don't really know what to do. Now, someone suggested getting a pet for it. Does anyone think that's a good idea? Put your hands up if you think I should get a pet cat. Anyone cat people? I had another suggestion. I said to Hannah, maybe we should get a pet snake. We should li let it live under the floorboards. And uh, anyone, anyone think we should do that? No, okay. <laughs> no, that would be a complete disaster. Now, the most stressful thing in this whole building project is the interior design. I'm not good with colors. I'm really not good with where things go. I need help. But what I do know is that there is a principle in interior design called the focal point of the room. Now, a focal point is one of the fundamental components of interior design. It is the first thing viewers see when they enter a room. A focal point of the room is like the thing that all your furniture is directed towards, like a TV or maybe a fireplace. It's the focal point of the room. What's the focal point of your life? What's the thing in your life that everything is directed towards? What are your hopes based on? What are your dreams hanging on to? What do you see when you look in the future as the dream of your destiny? We all do this, don't we? We all hang our hopes and dreams on something on some level, even if it's a small level. We all just, if I can just get to this point, then oh, I feel better. For me, a big one is Christmas. Does anyone else relate to that? I'm just, when I'm sat in front of a fire watching the holiday, it's like heaven has come on earth. And there's an element of that which is okay. But too many people in our world and in the, and in the church hang their real hopes and life and dream on something like that. And in the text today, Paul begins to unpack what the focal point of his life is. And this is what he says. Let's read. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, keywords underline this, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He goes on to say, for me, to live is Christ. Here we see the focal point of Paul's life. It is this, that Christ is exalted. That Jesus is made famous, that Jesus is lifted high, 
that Jesus is magnified, that Jesus is glorified. Paul says that if I have to live or even die to make Jesus famous, I'm okay with either. Whether by life, he says, or by death, I exist, Paul says, so that Christ will be exalted. What a perspective to have. Isn't that incredible? What a way to live. That everything I am, it is all about Jesus. Jesus is the focal point. Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the only one that can satisfy your longing for more. And if you're here in the room and you don't know Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus is the greatest, greatest thing in the world. He's the greatest thing in the world. He's the only one that can heal your hurting heart. He's the only one that can save you from your sins. He's the only one that can set you free from your past mistakes and give you a clean slate. He's the only one that can redeem your future. He's the only one that can give you a hope and assurance of eternal life. He's the only way to get to know your creator. God, it is all about Jesus. I wonder how our lives would change if we entered every situation and workplace and university lecture hall and late night conversation and social club night and crucial conversation with our kids if our perspective was in this moment, Lord Jesus, would you be exalted? I wonder how that would change the choices we make when Jesus and his exaltation becomes the focal point of our lives, that Jesus would be honored and put first. You have been in a situation where you feel like you need to make a choice between the popular thing and what you know is right. Anyone? I'm sure everyone has been in those situations. I've been in lots of those situations. And over the years, I have made my fair share of bad mistakes. But what if we went into every situation that we encounter saying, Jesus, would you be exalted and honored? So we might think, well, the choice I make right now might make me unpopular, but it's going to make Jesus famous. It might swim against the flow, but it means putting Jesus first. It means I might lose a friend, but gain heaven. It, I might lose popularity, but gain, keep my integrity. It might mean ending a relationship that's not healthy and I'm compromising in, but I grow in intimacy with Jesus. It means counting everything in life as loss in comparison to knowing Jesus. In, in the light of knowing him, everything else that is calling my name and distracting me and calling me to compromise, it is not worth it. I'm gonna let it go so that I can know him. Jesus is worth everything. He's the treasure in a field. He is the pearl of great price. He's worth living and dying for. And I want to suggest this evening that God is looking for a generation of people who are sold out for Jesus. God is looking for a generation of people who are relentlessly pursuing Jesus, no matter the cost, who refuse to compromise and put Jesus first, who are willing to look stupid for Jesus. This happens to me quite a lot. I end up looking stupid all the time. Hannah texted me the other night, last week after church, said, hey, can you just go to someone's house, Facebook Marketplace? and pick up some clothes for Ivy, my daughter. So I said, yeah, sure. And um, I went there, and I was late. And I opened the door, and she went, hi. And I went, hi, I'm really sorry I've been late. I've been to church. And she looked, like, looked at me like I was a psychopath. <laughs> and just, okay. And then left. You've got to be willing to look silly for Jesus. 
We've got to be people who are willing to lay down everything for Jesus. Paul says, the focal point of my life, the center, the bullseye of everything that I do, the thing that drives me and defines me and influences my decisions and what I do with my money and my body and my language is this. Will Jesus be exalted in this moment? Will Jesus be glorified? Will it honor him? Will it please him? So Paul says, I want to honor Jesus in everything. And really, this is what it means to say to live is Christ. Paul says, for me, to live is Christ. Here's what he's saying. He says, in this life, all that I have, all that I am, every waking moment, every thought, every part of my life, no matter what troubles or trials or tests or temptations come my way, every bit, finances, hopes, desires, dreams, priorities, I lay them at the feet of Jesus for him to spend me as he pleases. Every part. I want you to imagine for a moment that your life is a car. And um, if you're a Christian, it means that Jesus is in the car with you. But let me ask you, where is Jesus in the car of your life? Some Christians, Jesus is in the boot. And they drive him to church on a Sunday and they open the boot and they say, come on, get out of the boot, Jesus. And then as soon as church finishes, as Sunday Christians, they're like, get back in the boot, Jesus. And then the rest of the week, Jesus hangs out in the boot. Doesn't have any influence on their life. They drive around and maybe they hear a muffling in the back every once in a while. Maybe Jesus is not in the boot and he's in the back seat. And you talk to him every once in a while, but really he's just a passenger. You're driving, you're in control, you are on the way to wherever you want to go. Now maybe Jesus is in the front passenger seat, so maybe sometimes he holds the map and uh, he says, oh, I think you should maybe turn right here or left here, but really you're in control. And maybe, just maybe for every single one of us, Jesus might be in the driving seat. I think that's where he wants to be. And we're just with him on the journey, and he is taking us where he wants us to go. But let me ask you, where is Jesus in the car of your life? To live as Christ means that he is Lord and King. To live as Christ means to magnify him and to show that Jesus is magnificent. love this quote from John Piper. He says this, Christ is most magnified in us when we are more satisfied in him than what we lose in death and what we have in life. He goes on to say, in both cases, the goal of Paul's life is attained when Christ is magnified in his body, whether by life or death. The key to magnifying Christ in life and in death is to find him, listen, more precious, more valuable, more satisfying, more joyful, more boastworthy than everything we lose in death to die is gain and everything we have in life to live is Christ. If you strip it all away, it's this, Jesus. Is he our everything? How much do we cling to the comforts of life? How much do we pursue the fleeting pleasures of life? How much do we strive and work to build an empire for ourselves that will not last beyond the day that we pass into eternity? To live is Christ. Paul knew it. He was in prison. He had everything stripped away. He was a successful guy. He was a wealthy guy. He met Jesus and lost everything. But he said, I count it all as lost for the sake of knowing Jesus. Let's move on to, to die is gain. Many of us avoid thinking about that day. 
But it is a reality. Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Many of us, if we're really honest, don't care if our lives count or not. For many people, all we want is to get a good job, marry someone, have kids, retire early. And I want to say tonight that there is so much more to life than that. God has so much more for you than simply doing well and getting to the top of a career, retiring early. One day we will stand before Jesus. One day we'll meet him face to face. And one day he'll ask us, how did you spend your life? There was an article written in the late 90s in the Reader's Digest called Start Now, Retire Early. February 1998, and the article went something like this. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot yacht, play softball, and collect shells. Now, if I'm honest, when I read that, I thought, that sounds like the dream. That's exactly what I want to do. But for so many people, that is the dream. Retire early, cruise on your yacht, play softball, play softball, I don't even know what that is. It's American, if you didn't notice, and collect shells. This is the dream that so many people are living for. This is the focal point of their life. And I would suggest that Paul wants to tell us tonight, and the Holy Spirit through Paul, don't buy that dream, we're born for more. You're born for more than just a nice house and a nice car and a nice job and a nice family and a nice retirement. Collecting shells as the last chapter before we stand before the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he says, hey, how did you spend your life? And we can go, well, look, here's my seashell collection. To live as Christ means that our lives here on earth are spent. They're poured out for the sake of Jesus and the sake of the city. And to die is gain means a firm assurance that eternity with Jesus awaits us. To die is gain, I wonder if it's one of the most countercultural ideas of the Christian faith. It faces head on this reality that this life is not all there is and one day we will meet God. And Paul is able to say to die is gain because he knows with certainty that there is a life to come. Do you know that? Do you know that today, here and now, that this life is not all there is? We need to talk about heaven more. We need to fix our eyes on the life to come. In paradise, where there's perfection, there is no sin, there is no evil, there is no injustice, no tears, no pain in the life to come. Every wrong made right. Jesus called it paradise. It's probably not what you think. It's not us floating around on clouds. It will be a remade, renewed earth, a new world. We will have physical bodies without our pains and aches, probably more attractive, I'm hoping so. That would be incredible. I don't know how it exactly works, but I know we're going to have a physical body. Humanity will be restored to our original design of ruling and, and, and reigning with God over the cosmos. There'll be food. Do you know there's going to be food? I'm excited. There's going to be relationships. There's going to be unlimited resources and creativity. If you can imagine what we have done, we've been to the moon. Imagine what we can do when we have no sin and no brokenness of the world and everything's restored and we're called to restore and bring the kingdom of God over the whole of the cosmos. Jesus will be at the center. There'll be worship, joy unlimited, hope fulfilled. Everything broken in this life will be fixed. Everything wonderful in this life will be incomprehensibly better. 
Diet Coke is the most delicious drink in the world. I know what you're thinking, like me. How can that get any better? But I promise you it will. I promise you it will. Steak. (laughs) Some people think that steak will be there, but no cows will be killed. It's one of those mysteries. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I love Diet Coke. Um, Transport. No, I'm not going to talk about it. I've got some really exciting thoughts on heaven. Transport. You know, we've got cars in this life. It's just a fraction of the ingenuity and engineering of what what are we going to do? Anyway, Jesus walked through walls. That's all I know. When we meet God, we'll be able to say to die is gain. And I hope that in this life we get to a point of saying to die is gain. Paul says to die is gain. And when we meet Jesus, he, we will be held to account for those of us in Christ, how we've spent our lives. Did we live for Jesus and for others? Did we live first for the kingdom? Or did we live first for ourselves? Did we know him? Did we follow him? Paul said he's not afraid of death, but in fact, dying actually will be far better for him because then he will depart and go to be with the Lord forever in paradise. So it says in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, death is simply going home to be with God. Home is the vision of our community, and one day we will go home to be with God. All of us that follow Jesus, we were born for eternity with him. Heaven is our home, and this life is just a vapor, fleeting, a breath before we step into eternity. You may have heard this before, but every single one of us, one day we'll have a tombstone, and on the tombstone there are two dates. There's the date you're born, and then there's the date you die, and in the middle there is a dash. Life is in the dash. It is so short. It is so fleeting. It is so momentary. It feels like it goes on forever, but it really doesn't. I want to encourage us tonight to live with an eternal perspective. Everything I'm doing now is building me forward for the life to come. Mother Teresa famously said, I'm not afraid of death. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Just like Paul. Paul says, when we die, we depart and go to be with Christ. Here's a few reasons why I think we need to have an eternal perspective. If we're living for the life to come, we'll see this life as a time of preparation, not the end goal. It becomes less about, I need to just fill my life with as much stuff for me as possible, and instead more about how can I empty myself so that I can prepare for the future. If we're living for the life to come, this life doesn't have to be about me, but I can give my life away knowing that rewards are coming. And if we're living for the life to come, then I can have an eternal hope. It means that whatever pain and struggle and, and mess we go through in this life, there is hope and there is healing that a better day is coming. Let me use an analogy, and I did this at the morning service a couple of weeks ago, but I think this is really, really helpful. Can everyone see this rope? Everyone see this? You may have heard me do this before, but I thought it was apt considering tonight. Now, I want you to imagine that this rope goes on forever. This rope goes on forever and ever and ever. Imagine it wraps around the world millions of times. This rope represents your existence. We are eternal creatures born for an eternity with God. And now, can you see this red tape? This represents your life here on earth. This represents your time on this planet. 
and then this is the life to come. Too many of us live for this, and we say, oh, I can't wait to get to this little bit. I'm just going to save my money so I can go to Hawaii for six months and just enjoy this. I want to be as comfortable as I possibly can be. And then Paul's like, there's nothing wrong with going to Hawaii. If you've got tickets, take me. But Paul says, why would we spend our lives focusing on this when look at everything that there is to come? And there is an invitation tonight and as we go on and as we read the Bible that Eternity awaits us. Paul says to die is gain. One day we will get to the end of this little red bit and we will step into paradise. And I want to invite us to spend these moments to give ourselves, not just for our own lives, but for the sake of the mission, for the sake of our city, for the sake of the lost, for the sake of those that don't know Jesus and for the hungry and for the broken and for the marginalized, to get to know Jesus. Because even if we don't know Jesus... Even the good stuff that we do is like meaningless. You know that passage where um, Jesus said, one day there's going to be people that come to me and say, look at all, everything I did for you. I cast out demons in your names even. In your name even. Jesus says, I never knew you. We need to know Jesus in this life. I love this quote. Let me finish on this. John Piper, you don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world. You don't have to be smart or good looking or from a good family. You just have to know a few basic, glorious, majestic, obvious, unchanging, eternal things and be gripped by them and be willing to lay down your life for them. And those truths are that Jesus is real. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's spoken to us in this book. He's given us his Holy Spirit and he's prepared a home in heaven for us. And the time we have here on earth is invited to lay it before him. And I promise you, as we do that, he will do remarkable things with us and through us for the sake of our city and to see the name of Jesus exalted. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.